This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Europe, the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Today on the Indo Daily. How drug smugglers keep getting sunk by the Cork coastline. We are slap-bang on the route between uh, the Caribbean and Northern Europe. So where we sit is where the narcotics are imported. Last week's record cocaine haul wasn't the first time a drug shipment was scuttled. This is an extremely significant seizure. will possibly end up the biggest drug seizure of cocaine in the history of the state. The Cork Coast has been the scene of a number of drug busts involving hapless smugglers. Okay, naval boarding team members, listen up. I'm going to go through this situation for our exercise. This vessel is a tug and is suspected of having narcotics embarked for onward supply on the mainland. Events like these are often remembered by the comedy of errors involving the perpetrators. No one had an explanation for well, why was there 440 million euros worth of cocaine bobbing around Dunlock Bay Harbour. I'm Fiannan Sheen, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Ralph Regal, Southern correspondent with the Irish Independent, to look back at some of the more memorable drug busts. Ralph, Cork has a fine maritime tradition. You've got the second largest natural harbour in the world after Sydney, the oldest yacht club, of course, and uh, a history that goes back to the use of the, the port for the Napoleonic Wars. But you've also had a few mishaps. Events of a week ago are not the first time you've seen a major drug bust take place off the Cork coastline, though. Yeah, it's one of those connections that I think a lot of people in Cork would rather not have um, Fanon. But unfortunately, Cork has been very much to the fore in terms of the largest um, drug seizures in the history of the state. Of course, we have 2.2 tonnes involved in this MV Matthew seizure last week. Uh, You have Dunlock Bay back in 2007. And that still has the highest street value. That was actually 440 million euros worth of cocaine. Dances with Waves then was in 2008, and that was another major seizure, part of a much uh, broader pan-European crackdown on drugs called Operation Seabite. And then in 2014, you had another very high-profile one, the Machiavella. And I think the Machiavella seizure, which was in September of 2014, that underlined just how the street value of these drugs can rocket 
given the purity levels, there was uh, 41 bales of cocaine. And it was estimated that that value would be in or around 80 million euros. It actually turned out to have a street value of over 300 million euros. So it's almost like monopoly money in terms of the value of these drugs. And that was very much brought out, as you said, by Dances with Waves in 2008. It was a boat that was brought into Castletown Bear. It was interdicted a substantial distance off the Irish coast as part of a major operation It involved intelligence resources from the UK, from France, from Spain, from Portugal. But the actual interdiction of the boat was done by by Irish officials. Okay, so so take me to Dunlock Bay. You you basically, quite similar to last week, you you basically had a a mother ship and another vessel going out uh, to that and then coming a cropper basically when when they came back to shore. There's actually a lot of similarities in that the human element is the one that really brought the what was going on to the fore, certainly in terms of expediting um, the, the interdiction by, say, the, the, the naval service, the Guardi and the defence forces. The government here set up, which was very sensible of them, uh, what they called a joint task force, which is the naval service, ourselves, the customs and excise, and the Guard of Chicago, the police. All three are involved in narcotics interdiction. Mainly we're dealing with cocaine. What we bring to the table, if there's narcotics being imported by sea, that falls into our area. The drugs were destined for the UK market and in in quite an isolated part of West Cork, um, you suddenly had a a number of powerful vehicles arrived with trailers, with rigid inflatable boats. Um, I remember talking to one fisherman down there and he said that the, the outboard engines were so powerful on these rigid inflatable boats, it's almost as if they had been designed to participate in some type of an offshore race because they were more like racing boat engines than normal, you know, workaday outboards that maybe a fisherman or a sailor would use. And the, the weather conditions were were very challenging at the time. And the ribs were being used to shuttle the cocaine from the mothership, which was a large yacht, into this isolated cove and bay. And the plan apparently was to then bring the drugs out through an Irish port and to the UK. But of course, all went a cropper when the wrong fuel was put into the outboard engine. Uh, One of the individuals had to be rescued from the sea. Uh, Two other individuals, uh, they were in a a Land Rover Jeep and they were about to flee the scene when they could see the rib overturned in the water. But their way of escape was blocked accidentally by a Coast Guard official who had pulled up, having heard reports of a rescue in progress. So they couldn't drive past his Jeep and they basically took off on foot. And they were um, about 24 to 36 hours uh, trying to hide out on a mountainside in West Cork uh, in the summertime. And I suppose the other human element of it was when they were eventually captured, they had to be treated for hypothermia (laughs) because the conditions were so bad on a West Cork mountainside in the summer. And eventually all were brought before the courts. And interestingly, one of those that received very, very substantial prison sentences was a former Metropolitan Police officer from London who was believed to have been integral to the planning of the entire operation. Really, again, bad seafaring, you you would have to say, one of them having to be rescued uh, from the water. And then the bales of of drugs literally had to be fished out by the authorities, did they? 
Yeah, very much so, Fanon. And it, in fact, it's one of the great, as, as, as a great newsman yourself, it's one of the great news photographs of, say, the last 20, 25 years in Ireland of a lifeboat and fishing boats attempting to fish these bales bobbing on the water of Dunlock Bay. And each one of the bales is probably worth a couple of million euros. So I think it does underline the money that's involved in this trade. A significant quantity of drugs has been found on board a container ship impounded by Gordy after a dramatic security operation off the Cork coast. The Panamanian registered cargo ship was boarded by army rangers in challenging conditions. Control of the vessel was taken at gunpoint. I mean, if you take the, the most recent seizure, the MV Matthew, you're talking 2.2 tonnes of cocaine. The initial forensic tests have shown that that cocaine originated from Colombia, most likely from the Medellin area of Colombia. Of course, the most notorious um, South American cartels are based in around there. And if the purity levels of the cocaine on the MV Matthew anyway remotely approach the purity levels of the Dunlock Bay seizure in 2007 or the Dances with Waves seizure in 2008, let alone Micaiah Bella in 2014. The, in, the current street value is 157 million euros, but that could literally be increased by over 400%. Dances with Waves, it was heading for the Cork coast, but it was pretty far off coast when it was, it was ultimately intercepted. And, and why did the authorities decide to go down that route? Yeah, again, it, that was probably a slightly different seizure it, it, it compared to some of the others in that Dances with Waves was being minutely tracked by multiple different um, militaries and police forces uh, coordinated through a, a, an operations centre in Lisbon. So they knew Dances with Waves had been in waters where a lot of these drugs motherships operates from. And they were watching the boat as it crossed the Atlantic. Now, it was some substantial distance. I think it was over 100, possibly 140 nautical miles off um, the coast. But the sea conditions were very, very challenging. And in this particular case, the, the interdiction happened so far offshore because there was a genuine fear amongst the naval service that, that this vessel wouldn't make it to shore, that the sea conditions were so bad, the boat was in such a battered condition that they were afraid it would actually sink before those involved could be actually arrested. Yeah, so it, it was being tracked so well that the surveillance identified the problem and basically prompted the Navy to basically board the vessel. Very much so. I think the surveillance indicated that the vessel had, had, had sustained quite a substantial amount of damage from the Atlantic storms. Um, the track of the vessel indicated that it was quite erratic, which revealed that the crew were suffering um, because of the, 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 the challenges of the journey. And interestingly, when the vessel was actually boarded, one of the individuals on board was so sick, so seasick and so hungry that he started crying with relief at being arrested and being brought onto a bigger ship. Yeah, and, and ultimately, Dances with Waves then, it, it had to be repaired by the Navy in order to get it to shore and it was then escorted in amidst high security. 
Yeah, it was one of those. I mean, I remember being in Castleton Bear actually when when the Guardi were doing the briefing on it, and even then the storms had eased, but it was incredibly blustery. Just standing at the end of Castleton Bear, Bear Pier while we were being briefed about this vessel, it had really taken a hammering offshore. And just looking at the vessel and hearing about the the, the kind of monopoly money um, type figures of the drugs cash that was on board, it, I think it really did underline. I mean, the scale and the power of the drugs industry and the drugs challenge facing Ireland. I think what's clear from this week's find is that Ireland is anything but a soft touch. Uh, this is a seizure worth 158 million euros worth uh, of cocaine. This was an operation led by Angarda Siakana, but working collaboratively, collaboratively with our defence forces, our naval services, revenue customs, but also uh, with intelligence from our counterparts right across the water and right across Europe. So what it shows is that we are very much in the game, uh, that we are very much part of a joint effort to take down these organised crime gangs. This is positive. It shows the capabilities of the Defence Forces, the Naval Service, that the Army Ranger Wing pulled off this dramatic interdiction by abseiling down ropes to take the NV Matthew at gunpoint. But I don't think you can escape from the fact that we can operate just two naval ships at the one time. The Naval Service is in the middle of an almost unprecedented personnel crisis. Very difficult to recruit staff, very difficult to retain staff. And when you look at the number of very capable vessels that the Naval Service have tied up because they simply don't have the personnel to operate them. And yet we have one of the most exposed um, coastlines in Europe. We have so many different bays, harbours, inlets to police. That is it any wonder that drug dealers seem to look at Ireland or drug smugglers look at Ireland as their best option in terms of getting stuff ashore. So, Ralph, when a mothership sails up from South America and the Caribbean, how many drop-offs do we believe they conduct along the coastline? It can vary, Fanon. I mean, usually you're talking two or three. Um, It's very rare that they will attempt to take the entire cargo of a mothership and unload it in one particular consignment for the simple reason the risks are too great. If if the police happen to come across that consignment, you lose everything in one fell swoop. Effectively, by a lot of work which goes on on a permanent basis of sharing and pooling information and intelligence, we've managed to interdict this sizable quantity. And effectively, too, we managed to break the link between those involved in organised crime in South America, where this consignment most likely came from, and those involved in mainland Europe. So what usually happens is a mothership will take on its consignment in the waters off Venezuela, Colombia. It goes to a Caribbean island, it crosses the Atlantic by a number of different routes. And then what it will do is it'll usually link up with uh, shuttling or coopering boats off various jurisdictions. Now, at the moment, I can tell you that there is an investigation underway into the movements of the MV Matthew. Now, this vessel left the Caribbean on August the 18th. It was last officially recorded in Willemstedt, which is the capital of Curaçao in the Caribbean. It crossed the Atlantic, but for some reason, it lingered in waters near the Canary Islands for about a fortnight. It then traveled up the coast of Spain and the coast of France very much taking a leisurely route as it did so. And then it came into Irish waters and it effectively conducted a circuit 
off the coast of Waterford and Cork. Now, Gardaí believe that this was where it was waiting to link up with a smaller ship, again, to unload some of its consignment. At that point, it ended its circuit. It was leaving Irish territorial waters when it was intercepted by a naval service vessel. And they deter- they, they boarded and they discovered, of course, that there was 2.2 tonnes of cocaine on it. it. The indications at this stage are that the drugs weren't destined for the Irish market, or certainly the vast majority of it wasn't. It was more than likely destined for the UK market. And it's also possible that shipments might have been unloaded uh, near Spain, possibly off France as well. What sort of jail sentences are you looking at in in any of these cases? Very, very large jail sentences, to answer it quite simply. For the most part, you are talking sentences of roughly between eight and 10 years and up to 30 years, which is actually the heaviest that was ever handed out. Yeah, in, in, in the Dunlock Bay case, you you had uh, the, the suspects there, I mean, concocting all sorts of obscure explanations. Oh, it was. The explanation given were just that, oh, people were over visiting friends. Uh, they were going fishing. Uh, there was all of these innocent things, but no one had an explanation for, well, why was there 440 million euros worth of cocaine bobbing around Dunlock Bay Harbour? And the judge just wasn't wearing it. That they were, they were convicted by the jury. Um, the the judge took a very dim view of uh, the attitude taken by the individuals and he took an even dimmer view in terms of the impact on society and particularly young people of people like this that were simply willing to profit from bringing drugs and whatever misery it brings to society. Sometimes as well, these investigations then can can have wider implications. Obviously, uh, the authorities are happy that it's inflicting a financial hit uh, upon drug gangs, both uh, in Europe and in, in South America. But in the Dances Waves case, th- this also led to further arrests. Tell us about John Allen Brooks. Who was he? Yeah, John Allen Brooks was was based overseas and he was one of these individuals that had been on the radar but had never really come to police attention in terms of major incidents like this. But what happened with the Dances with Waves investigation became known as Operation Seabite. Um, it involved multiple jurisdictions, it involved multiple different individuals. And when the Gardaí started interviewing the people on board the boat, retracing the boat's route, Uh, its ownership and all of those things, it led back to a number of individuals, including that man. And of course, there were proceedings taken overseas. Tell us how this influenced the plotline of a rather famous Cork film featuring two right characters. Yes, at all. It was, as, as you say, like the human element of these stories is what people remember. And in Cork, if you ask anybody about Dunlock Bay, what they don't remember the street value, they don't remember the quantity of cocaine. What they remember two things is that some idiot put diesel into a petrol outboard engine, which resulted in the rib overturning and the bales being tossed into the water. And what they also remember is that on one particular day in West Cork, there was 440 million euros worth of cocaine bobbing in bales very gently in one of the most isolated and beautiful bays in West Cork. And of course, that whole concept and the fact that a bale might have been washed ashore, that a bale might have been hidden somewhere, it led to the concept, of course, of the Young Offenders film. This time tomorrow, we could be millionaires. Like. I think how easy it will be to find a bale as well. 
And then, of course, after that, then after that became a huge success, uh, the Young Offenders series, based on a bunch of, of, of near-do-wells heading to West Cork in the belief that somewhere down there, there was a bale of cocaine stashed or hidden or washed ashore, which could be sold and it could transform uh, the lives of those involved. And of course, again, it's funny, in this particular case that we're talking about at the moment, again, human error in the middle of this very complex multinational um, operation to try and basically deliver drugs to the European market. And I mean, if you look at it in terms of this particular um, incident we're talking about, you've got a vessel, a 9.5 million euro, 28,000 ton um, freighter. It's registered in Panama. It's operated by a shipping management company based in the Gulf. Uh, it's owned by a shelf company which has links to China and to the Marshall Islands, but it is believed to actually be owned by a group based in Colombia. You have um, a number of different individuals from different jurisdictions. And of course, you have that vessel then that has gone through waters belonging to several different uh, European member states. So again, very complex, very detailed investigation, which is going to take some time to conclude. And my thanks to Ralph Regal. I'm Fiona Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Dee Reddy and researched by Darren Nolan, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from RTE, Independent.ie and The Young Offenders. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel, 087-6797-6797.